All right, uh, if I could have you stand um, just, just for a few minutes and just kind of stretch and move around a little bit, uh, get, to, get the blood flowing, okay? Um, if you love Jesus, say amen. All right, I know you're alive. Okay, you can be seated. <laughs> All right, we're in Acts chapter 14 and verse 1. Acts chapter 14 and verse 1. Um, I guess if you have been in church very long, you have gone through a time of division in the body of Christ. Um, I, one church I pastored had a whole lot of division. Uh, and, and apparently in, in Corinth, in, in Scripture, there was a lot of division in that church. Uh, God used the church in spite of the division, and I'm grateful for that. Our God is able to do all things, and God can overcome the division itself. Uh, but we need to understand how God overcomes division and understand what God says about division so that when those times come, we can navigate those seasons well. Uh, we can keep our trust in the Lord, and we won't be shipwrecked by those things. Um, Paul, in this time, uh, is, is going to the city of Iconium, and he and Barnabas are ministering there and preaching the gospel, and they have some great success. Multitudes come to faith in Jesus Christ, but they also have opposition, and the city becomes very divided. Uh, the city officials, uh, some of them are convinced to oppose uh, the church, especially, especially and specifically Paul and Barnabas for the work that they're doing. And so it becomes a kind of a tense situation for them. But they persevere through this time. Now there's two kinds of division. There's division from outside the church, which comes oftentimes in the form of persecution. And then there's division within the church where God's people are divided against each other. And both are difficult situations the second one, I think, is more difficult in terms of the health of a church and the ministry of a church because when there's division, often and most of the time, the Spirit of God can be quenched in a church. And so it's a hindrance to the work of God. Um, but it's not something that God cannot overcome. Uh, and we see that God does overcome the division that we see here in this, in this church uh, and in this city. So Paul and Barnabas are preaching, uh, opposition uh, comes against them, but then God gives them the grace to persevere in that situation, uh, and then when persecution gets even worse, God moves them out, continues his work in the church there at Iconium, and moves them out and begins to spread the gospel even more through their leaving, uh, and the kingdom of God continues. So God overcomes. And I want to tell you something. Ultimately, God's will must stand in this world. Uh, kings come and go. Uh, nations come and go. But God's purposes and God's will will ultimately stand. Because greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, in Psalm 2, the Bible talks about God 
uh, mocking those who take their stand against him. It's, it's no contest. Uh, God is so great in his power. Uh, and God is great enough and big enough to handle the division wherever we face it, whether with the world or in the body of Christ. God can help us in those situations and can bring victory. And so we need to trust in the Lord and follow uh, his, his principles and how, to over, how he overcomes division in our lives. So let's look at this scripture, Acts 14, verse 1. In Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue and, as usual, spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews and others with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derbe uh, and to the surrounding countryside. There they continued preaching the gospel. So how God overcomes division. How does he do it? Well, first of all, God enables us to persevere. I want you to know the opposition started in verse 2. Uh, when the Jews stirred up the unbelieving Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So there's already a work afoot to oppose the ministry. Uh, there's a poisoning going on. I've seen that happen in churches I've pastored over the years where somebody who's a gossip will try to poison the minds of people uh, in the church. That's a horrifically evil thing to do in the body of Christ. Uh, but it is something that sometimes happens. But God enabled them to persevere. Verse 3 says, so they stayed there a long time. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The opposition could not stop the purpose of God. Sometimes we forget that in the midst of a storm, don't we? Our God is greater. Our God is not overwhelmed. He's not overcome. He's not disturbed. He's not wringing his hand. His forehead has not broken out in a sweat. He is able to work in the situations of division that come in our lives. And by the way, that's true in your home. That's true in your workplace. God can overcome you with their, in terms of division in those places as well. So God's will for them was to stay there a long time. So he enables them to persevere. Um, Jesus persevered, didn't he? You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? He told the disciples, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. Uh, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what do the disciples do? They sleep. And what do they do? They fail. But Jesus prays. And as he prays, the peace of God comes and the strength of God comes and Jesus moves through that time to the cross, and he, he, he faces his accusers with perfect peace. He holds his peace. He's silent like a lamb before the shearers and fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy. But Jesus goes to the cross in perfect faith and trust, even to the point where he tells Pilate, he says, you have no power over me except what God's given you. 
And so Jesus was able to face his great trial in faith and ultimately to overcome. You say, well, Jesus died. Yes, he did. And he overcame because three days later he arose. Sometimes you may face even defeats of sorts in times of division, but God can still overcome as you obey him. You see, because you and I are just instruments in God's plan. It's ultimately God's uh, purpose that is the important part of it. And God can use us for a season and then use someone else. Or he can, he can use us for an extended time like he does here with Paul and Barnabas. But I love the fact that God enabled them to persevere. Lately, I've heard quite a lot about how many pastors are leaving the ministry. You've probably heard some of those statistics if you pay attention to that sort of thing. And uh, I do know that the ministry can be a very hard place to be. I've weathered some of those storms in, in uh, difficult places before. But, but I, wanna, I want you to know something. If we know where to go to find our resources, God's resources are enough. We can go and find what we need. Someone once said, when you find that God is all you have, you'll find that God is all you need. He is able to carry us through those times. And, and what I found is I had to, in those times of difficulty, I had to come aside and spend more time in prayer. Uh, I had to come aside, spend more time in worship. Why? Because I needed God's strength. And as I spent time doing those things, God would minister his strength to me. Um, also, I had to spend that time in prayer because I was doing spiritual battle. Did you know your enemies are not your brothers and sisters in Christ? They're not. Our struggle is ultimately not against flesh and blood. That doesn't mean you don't have human enemies. and That doesn't mean that people can be evil. Uh, and, and even need to be stood against at times. But what it does mean is my main battle is not on a human plane. My main battle is spiritual. And so I had to come aside and I had to spend extra time in prayer for that church, uh, my church at the time. And uh, God, I asked God to give me his heart for that church and I asked God to pray through me. Uh, Martin Luther, who experienced incredible opposition, incredible division against uh, the gospel as he was ministering in his day, said, on difficult days, I get up so I can spend five hours of time with God before I begin my day. See, a lot of times people think, well, a preacher, he, he, you know, he, he doesn't work very much. You, know. you don't see a lot of stuff that I do, by the way, okay? I'm not, nobody said that to me recently, in case you're wondering. But, but I, I, I say that just to, the, the battle is won in that secret place. And sometimes during the day, I would come apart and I would pray with a, with a brother uh, or, or uh, I would pray with a, with a group of prayer partners or something like that. Uh, other times, I might go somewhere and just sit in a parking lot and get my attitude right. Have you ever had that? <laughs> have that happen? Uh, there's something to be said about uh, uh, getting aside to get things right with God, and I've had to do that before as well. But what I found was, even though it was very hard, even though at times I was praying every day, God let me leave. 
God had a purpose for me there, and I was so glad that I persevered through that time because I saw what God did at the end, and it was something very special. Um, our God is able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Have you got division in your family? Maybe you ought to pray about it. Have you got division at your workplace? Maybe you should pray. Uh, especially pray for this church, pray for the unity of this church in accordance with the will of God um, and for a heart and spirit of love in this place. But how does God overcome division when it does come? He, first of all, enables us to persevere. Secondly, he emboldens us to speak. He emboldens us to speak. Verse 3 says, so they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord. My translation says for the Lord. Uh, it, you can translate that, spoke boldly by the Lord. In other words, the Lord is the source of the boldness. And what I've found is that God can bring a boldness that we don't have in our own strength. Uh, a holy boldness to speak the truth. I love this. There, there's opposition to the gospel of God. And so what do Paul and Barnabas do? Do they, oh, well, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. We can't say anything. That's not what they do. They don't go hide in a corner somewhere with their tail between their legs. What do they do? They've been called to speak the truth. And they keep speaking the truth. And they do so boldly. How can you have boldness in a situation such as this? Through the supernatural empowerment of the Lord. I found, and it's funny, I've always, I've always hated conflict. I, you know, I, I do okay with it, um, you know, usually in personal relationships, but... I've always hated conflict. It's funny that God takes the person that hates conflict and sticks them in the church with conflict. Isn't it funny how God works like that? Uh, and, and what did he do? He enabled me to face it with boldness. Paul and Barnabas are bold in the midst of the opposition. Listen, I'm, I'm convinced that we as Christians need to be bold as we've never been bold before. And by the way, bold doesn't mean rude. Bold doesn't mean unkind. Okay? Bold just means bold. That we're open about our faith, that we're willing to speak truth uh, with people that don't know Jesus. Why? Because the message that we share is the most important thing on this planet. So, God enables this bold proclamation of the gospel to further the kingdom of God in this place where there's division. He also ultimately overcomes it. Why? What are they trying to do? They're trying to stop the ministry of the Lord through their opposition, right? That's what this whole campaign's about. That's why they get the leaders involved. They, they want to silence the church, and stop the work of the church. Can I tell you something? There's people in our country that want to do that. But as God's people, we're called to be bold. How do we do that? We do that 
by asking God for boldness. One of the things I find um, amazing, if you look in, um, I forget exactly which epistle it's in, but uh, Paul, one of the Paul's epistles, he, he says uh, to the church, he says, pray that I may speak the truth with boldness. I found that highly ironic. Of all the people who I would think would not need to pray for boldness, it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was bold as bold could be. But you learned something with that little verse. You learned where his boldness came from. His boldness came from God. And he was able to persist in it. Why? Because he was relying upon the Lord. And he was apparently relying upon his church to pray for him for boldness. Hey, pray that your preacher will have the boldness to speak the truth. Especially in cases like this. So how does God overcome division? He enables us to persevere. He emboldens us to speak. He testifies through us. Look at verse 3 again. Uh, it says, uh, so, they, so they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord who testified to the message of grace. That who is speaking of the Lord. You see, it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas who were speaking. God was speaking. Can I tell you something? Whenever you go into a witnessing situation, you don't go by yourself. Jesus has promised never to leave us or forsake us. When you go in the ministry and you do the work of the ministry, you don't go by yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ goes with you and testifies, if you allow him to do so, will testify through you. That's what I pray when I speak. Listen, you probably don't need what I've got to give, but you do need what God's got to give. What's God got to give? He's got his word, and then he has a specific way to apply his word to his people's hearts and lives. That's what I pray for. God, will you speak through me your truth in such a way that it would supernaturally minister to your people. Because I've learned that when I'm in the pulpit, even though I've, I've just told you we're never alone, okay, but this is when I'm trusting Roger and I'm not trusting God, I've learned that it falls flat. I remember early in my ministry, I had, uh, uh, I was, I was I preparing this message, and all week long I was thinking, man, this is so good. I cannot wait to share this. I'm so excited about this. The people are just going to love this. It's going to be so awesome. And I got, to, I got to church that Sunday. I preached, and I mean, it was snoozeville. Nobody was engaged. Nobody, nobody was enjoying it. I, I could, you know, I, I don't know. There might have been somebody who enjoyed it. But it just by the body language, I could tell nobody was engaged. I thought, wow, what happened, you know? And, and then there have been other times where I thought, man, I don't really want to preach this message. You know, I, I'm not too excited. God help me. Uh, Lord, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like, or maybe I'm, I feel like I'm not adequately prepared, even though I've, I've worked. But, I've, I, you know, and, and I say, Lord, 
please help me. I'm, I'm in trouble if you don't. And God would just put his hand on me and use that message supernaturally. God had to do that a number of times. I don't know how many times he had to do it before it got through my thick school. But finally, I realized I connected the dots between my need for the supernatural power of God that I could not function as a pastor in the role that I have without him. And I found that he would testify through me. And there's power in that. I had a man uh, in a previous church. uh, One of his family members had been praying for him. And he and his wife had been attending our church. And one day he came forward and he gave his heart to Christ. And his wife gave her heart to Christ. And and he said, it's like you've been talking straight to me for the last two months. He said, do you know what's going on in my life? I said, I haven't, I haven't a clue. I said, I don't know anything about you. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, he has communicated this truth to you in a special way. And, uh, and he said, you know, he said, that, wow. He said, that just, it just kind of blows my mind. But that's what God can do. Um, and so ask God. If you're talking to somebody about Jesus, ask God to testify through you. Ask God to bring things to mind as you share uh, perhaps a scripture verse, or, or uh, uh, and, and then just just be faithful to share and let God do what He wants to do in that situation. All right, so He testifies through us what is needed. Isn't that an amazing thing that God knows what His people need? By the way, if you ever if you ever teach or if you ever preach. Ask God to show you what his people need. You know God wants to minister to the needs of his people more than you or I do. (laughs) He knows exactly what we need. And in the midst of a situation of division, he knows the hurts. He knows the struggles. He knows the encouragement that's needed. He knows the rebuke that's needed. He knows everything. He knows what you and I don't know about. And as he testifies... Through us, he can impact the situation and overcome by his grace. All right, so how God overcomes division, he enables us to persevere. He emboldens us to speak. He testifies through us. He gives us supernatural power. Uh, Verse 3 says, he enabled them to do signs and wonders. Often as the gospel spread, God would use these works of miracles and these kinds of healings and and so forth to point to the validity of the gospel. And I've heard of cases of that happening today in various parts of the world as missionaries um, do their ministry for the Lord. But can I tell you something? God can provide the supernatural power that you need in in the situation of division. Um. There have been a couple of times in my ministry where God has provided a special season of fruitfulness when I was under five. And I think it was God's way of kind of showing that his hand was upon me and and validating my ministry in a a difficult time. Uh, God can provide the supernatural power you, you need. Even if he doesn't do something like that, 
He can provide the power that you need to overcome. I remember a committee meeting I was going to go to, and we, I'm not going to get into all the details of the situation, but it was a very hard situation. And I was going to have to confront two individuals who were on the committee, in that committee meeting. Now, they had, we'd done the Matthew 18 thing. They'd, they'd been confronted elsewhere. Uh, but uh, I knew, and, and I, as I told you, I don't like confrontation. And by, by the way, uh, in, in times where I am like in public, a lot of times I think about what I should have said after it's over. That's the kind of person I am, okay? So I was telling God, I said, Lord, I, you know I'm not good at this. And I, I really don't know how I'm going to get through this meeting. And you're going to have to enable me to do this, first of all, in the right spirit, but then also to, to do it in such a way where I, I do it in the best possible way because I, I, I want to honor you in the way that I'm doing this. And so the meeting came, and I remember thinking it was almost, you, you've heard of an out-of-body experience. It was almost like, not in a negative way, but I, I remember thinking as I was speaking, this is not me. This is not what I would normally say. This is not what I would normally do. This is the Lord. And there were several people who were fasting and praying for me during that season. Um, and so uh, God gave me the supernatural power that I needed for that specific circumstance. Even though I wasn't good at it, he gave me what I needed to handle it in the time. In the time that I needed it. So... Uh, how God overcomes division. He enables us to persevere. He emboldens us to speak. He testifies through us. He gives us supernatural power. And he spreads the good news. I love this. Uh, so they're going to mistreat and stone them. That's their plan of action, okay? Paul and Barnabas, they've got an appointment with, with the stoning squad. Uh, and they find out about this, this plot against them. Verse 6 tells us they fled to the Laconian towns of Lystra and Derbe uh, and to the, the surrounding countryside. Uh, there they continued preaching the gospel. Was the work of God stopped? Absolutely not. God was continuing to spread the gospel. Now, by the way, the work of God continued in Iconium, too. We know that because if you read later on in the chapter, Paul and Barnabas go back there to minister to the church that's continuing there. The work of God didn't stop. That's the wonderful thing about the church. It's in God's hands. It's not in my hands. It's not in your hands. It's in God's hands. God's church. Jesus is the head of the church, right? And it's his church, and he preserves it. But, but, I love the fact that the persecution, rather than stopping the work of the kingdom of God, spreads the work of the kingdom of God. And wherever they go, they're preaching. There's, there's a couple of new churches get started as they go to these different towns. Uh, and God is just blessing his work, and the work at Iconium continues. So, listen, you say in one case... In this very situation, this specific town, these specific people, God has them stay for a long time and persevere. Another time, he has them leave. 
But both, in both cases, he's using both of those things to further the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? We, we can trust God. He's got this thing. Uh, if he tells us to stay, we can stay. If he tells us to go, we can go. And we can know that God is ultimately the one who sustains his church and his kingdom. Listen, I saw God bring an end to division in my church. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But whether he brings an end to it or whether he continues to bless a church who's striving against the work of the enemy, whether it's in the church or outside the church, God can sustain his people and God can sustain the kingdom through his power if we'll trust him. We give up our, ourselves. Sometimes we try to take matters into our own hands. We've got to hold things loosely. We've got to trust the Lord. We've got to take things a step at a time to make it through a time of division. But God knows perfectly how to bring us through to the other side. We've got to trust him. It's amazing to me, you know, it, it would be overwhelming if, if, say, you're Paul and Barnabas, you're traveling to all these places, and you're the opposition is not always the same. You might think, okay, well, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I know exactly what to expect. Not the case. In each place they went, there was the opposition often was different from other places. But every time, God was sufficient. Listen, I don't know the future. I don't know what may happen in the future. But one thing I do know, I know the God I serve. I know that he's mighty, that he's faithful that he's good, and that he's promised to never leave me or forsake me. And I can trust him in the midst of whatever situation I'm going through, knowing that he has got my back. And uh, thank, thank God that he is for us, how good he is. Uh, division should not be the normal case we, uh, within the church, but sometimes it is. But all of a sudden, I'm going to tell you something. Even in the, in the failures of God's people, God can bring uh, good things. I love what Adrian Rogers said. He was speaking of, of Elijah. Elijah had his context, contest with the prophets of Baal, and uh, they had a sacrifice. They were supposed to call on Baal to bring fire from heaven. Uh, Elijah had his sacrifice. He was to call on God, Yahweh, to bring fire from heaven to destroy his sacrifice. And he pours water all over the sacrifice. He keeps pouring water. And they're in the middle of a drought, but they're, they're pouring all this water on this sacrifice. Why are you doing that, Elijah? What's the point of this? And Adrian Rogers summed it up this way. He says, a God who can't burn wet wood isn't any good. I like that. Did you know our God can burn wet wood? Sometimes you may think, well, what, what's God going to do with my situation? Or what's he going to do with me? You know, I'm the wet wood. Uh, well, what's God, what's God going to do with our church? What's God going to do with this situation or that situation? I'm going to tell you something. We serve a living God, and he is able. God can overcome division or anything else we may face. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus died for your sin to overcome your sin. He overcame the penalty of sin. The eternity in hell that each and every one of us is destined to without Jesus. He overcame the power of sin in our life. He, 
makes us a new creation in Christ. He gives us a new set of desires. He sends his spirit to live within us. Uh, he em- empowers us and walks with us through temptation and teaches us how to overcome it. Um, he, he, he overcame death itself. Also that you and I could know him and have eternal life. It's all Jesus. Uh, Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, you can have a relationship with him this morning. And what he asks you to do, and both of these things are part of the decision of faith, uh, he asks you to repent. And to repent means to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Jesus. It's just a decision you make by faith to follow Jesus. Uh, and he asks you to receive Jesus in your life. John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So if you'd like to repent and receive Jesus in your life today, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment after we pray. I'm going to ask you to come down here to the front and surrender your life to Jesus Christ uh, and receive him. Uh, and if you're, if you're a child of God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond too. Uh, as far as I know, we've got no division in the church to speak of. Praise God for that. Well, I pray for that, by the way. I don't think that's an accident. Um, but maybe you've got division in your home life. Maybe you've got division at work and you just want to come to this altar and pray. Or if you want to come here and have me pray for you, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, let's respond to the Lord. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you need to respond and join, begin the process joining this church and uh, you sense God's leading you here. Uh, you can come do that if you need to do that. Whatever God's leading you to do, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this time, and we ask, God, that you would move uh, among your people and uh, draw people to you, uh, draw, especially draw people who don't know Jesus Christ to you uh, and help us uh, repent and trust in you. And uh, for those who know of us who know him, uh, Lord, help us trust you and rely on you in those storms of life where things are difficult and recognize that you're enough. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.